So we're here this morning, uh, and we are celebrating Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed. You know, we're joining with nearly a third of the population of the whole world. Nearly one-third of the population of the world is doing what we are doing, celebrating the risen Savior, celebrating the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, that he now reigns victorious over sin and death, and that we can come to that place of standing in that victory in Jesus' name. We're celebrating that together with the saints this morning. And you know, I mentioned this on Good Friday, that you know, one of the greatest things that we as Christians get to do, it's not something we have to do, love how John Galbraith put it. I'm going to steal a line from John Galbraith. We get to do this. We get to come together and respond to the gift that God has given us. Jesus Christ is God's gift to us of salvation. And when we see Jesus for who he is, when our eyes are opened to who Jesus is, something happens inside of us, isn't it? Something happens. And the response of this realization is singing. We worship. We give praise for what God has done. It's one of the great honors that we get to do is come together like this and worship God. Sing to Him. And and we talked about on Good Friday some of the songs that we sing And on Good Friday, we talked about When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's a song that has been sung in the church for generations, for hundreds of years. It was written by Isaac Watts, famous hymn writer. And he wrote Joy to the World, among many other hymns. And so we talked about that. We talked about the rich history behind that song, the story behind that song. If you remember our Christmas series, we did the the songs of Christmas for that whole Advent series was looking at the different songs we sing. Why do we sing these songs? And what's the meaning behind it? We unpacked those meanings. And it, I, I don't know about you, but it gave me a richer experience when singing those songs. Right? It's like, wow, you're connecting with what the writer was, was feeling and experiencing when they wrote that song. And so we talked about that. And I, I, you know, I think I'm going to do a, a series sometime on the hymns. Uh, that we sing, the famous hymns, because a lot of them have such a deep story, a deep, rich history to its composition. Today we're going to do that as well. We're going to look at a song that we sang this morning, and we're going to unpack from that song, a very beautiful song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I like how Sky put it, macaroni and cheese song, eh? That's, you know, I like that. I had to think about that for a moment. What in the world is she talking about? I had to think about it for a moment, right? But yeah, that makes sense. This song is very comforting. But you're like, what is it saying? Right? What's, what's in there? Um, but it's definitely a, a beautiful, beautiful hymn. And it was written as well, like many of the songs of old that we sing a very long time ago. It was written over uh, 200 years ago. Uh, actually, it was written in 1758 by a British Baptist pastor and hymn writer by the name of Robert Robinson. I love that name. Eh? Robert Robinson. It's got such a ring to it. kind of makes me feel like my name was James Jameson. 
And anyway, sorry. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, uh, Robert Robinson, love that name. He wrote this hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, in 1758. And again, like many of the hymns, uh, this one has a rich story behind it as well. Uh, Robert Robinson had a very difficult childhood. Very difficult. When he was only eight years old, his father died. And that was just devastating for him. And it left a deep wound in his soul. And out of the trauma of losing his father at such an early age, um, he went on a path of living life very dangerously. He, was, he had anger issues. He got into fits of drunkenness and rage and gambling and all the mischief that follows that kind of a lifestyle. Now, at the age of 20, Robert attended a George Whitfield revival service. George Whitfield was a very famous revivalist, very powerfully influential preacher. And Robert was able to go to one of these meetings. And when he was there, he listened to the words of George Whitfield. And he came under such a powerful conviction that he just in that moment knew that God was telling him, you need to give your life to me. He felt compelled to give his life to the Lord. And when he did, his life changed completely. Jesus completely changed his life. At the time, Robert Robinson was training to be a hairdresser. He was a barber apprentice. But Jesus changed the the course of his life. He left that path and he became a preacher. And just three years after his conversion, he wrote the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And it's thought that in the last stanza, one of the lines in that stanza where it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That part that he wrote, it said that he wrote that uh, in reference to his early life when he was living in sin. And so like many of the powerful hymns, this one too was written from the writer's personal experience of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for him. And he wrote this powerful, timeless hymn. And so this morning, I want to focus in on one of the phrases in this hymn. We're going to look at it. It's the second stanza I want to highlight, which says this. Here I'll raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Would you pray with me before I begin this message on Come Thou Fount? Father, we are here in awe of who you are and what you have done for each and every one of us. May we experience the power of the resurrection this morning. Speak to each of our hearts this morning, God, about the meaning of the resurrection. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I was trying to think about what my favorite hymn was. I've got a few. I don't know which one I could say this one is my favorite. Because there's so many good ones. This is definitely one of my favorite hymns. Definitely one of my favorite hymns. It's so beautiful. The melody is so beautiful, isn't it? It's so beautiful. It stirs in our hearts just that drive to worship. A heart to worship God. The words are powerful. Reminding me of God's love for me. Reminding us that God pursues us in relationship. That God wants us to be in relationship with Him. Let thy goodness like a fetter. Thank you, Sky, for uh, clarifying that. Right? Help us not to wander away from you. Because that's the place that we want to be in. It's such a powerful hymn. It's powerful. But like many of the hymns of old, some of the words, some of the phrases in them can be unfamiliar in today's English. And it can stir in us a curiosity to discover what it means. And one such phrase is, Here I raise my Ebenezer. That's right. Right? I mean, let's be honest. Be honest here. Show of hands. When we sing this song, how many of you think of a Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge? Right? Right? I do. I'll be honest. Every time. I think Ebenezer? Ebenezer Scrooge? Okay. That's not what it means, obviously. It's not referring to Ebenezer Scrooge. In order for us to understand, you know, what? this is talking about we need to go to the bible and guess what it's actually in the bible the word ebenezer is in the old testament in fact it's in first samuel chapter 7 when you go to first samuel 7 you'll read about the israelites and they're in conflict again with another empire this time called the philistines the Philistines were constantly a threat to the people of Israel. They would come, attack them, try to overpower them, keep them in bondage. You, would read, well, you read about the Philistines you know, time and time again in the Old Testament. Well, in 1 Samuel 7, the Philistines were uh, about to attack Israel. And Israel panicked. And the people went to Samuel the prophet and said, Samuel, do something. Pray to God. Do something. And so Samuel, he, he gave a sacrifice to the Lord. He goes to God and he cries out to the Lord. And God answers. And the way God answers his prayer is one of those wow God moments. Like only God could do something like that. Right? God answered by just sending this thunder from heaven that caused a confusion in the Philistine camp. Philistines were like, what's going on? And that's when the Israelites were able to overpower their enemy. And so we come to 1 Samuel 7, verse 12. After the Israelites overpowered their enemy, this is what it says. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name, there it is, Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. The word Ebenezer is actually a Hebrew word. 
It's a Hebrew word that means stone of help. Ebenezer means stone of help. This stone that Samuel set up was to be a memorial to remind the people of Israel, I did this for you. Every time you look at that stone, you'll remember, wow, God did that. That's what this was for. Because the people needed reminders. And if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that the people of Israel, they constantly needed reminders. There was this tendency to forget. That's why the people, that's why God called them to celebrate the Passover meal. So that they would never forget what God had done for them. That God rescued them from Egypt. They eat the bitter herbs to remind them of them to remind them of the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. All of, the, all of that has a purpose to bring to memory what God had done. Earlier uh, in, in the Bible, in Joshua, this thing that God did to raise a stone to cause the people to remember, it's actually not new in 1 Samuel. It happened earlier in Joshua, in the story of Joshua crossing the Jordan. Uh, If you remember that story, God did a mini Red Sea thing there at the Jordan River. He, He stopped the waters from coming and the people were able to cross over. And God told Joshua to appoint 12 men from 12, the 12 tribes to grab a stone from the Jordan and to raise it up so that the people would have a memorial forever so that they would see That God did this to remind them that God was with them, that God rescued them, that God saved them. We all need reminders because we all have a tendency to forget. Several years ago, before I started my ministry here at Trinity, God did something really cool. He did something really, really cool. To cause me to remember him. You see, my personal prayer language is worship. That's my personal prayer, prayer language. That doesn't mean I don't pray with words. It doesn't mean I don't pray with petitions to the Lord. That's, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But when I want to connect with the Lord, not for something, just to connect with God, I do so with my guitar. That's my personal prayer language with God. Worship. Um, At the time, I had an old Yamaha acoustic guitar. My dad bought it for me at a garage sale. I've never played the guitar before, but he bought this guitar at a garage sale. I don't know. It was beat up. It it had cracks in it, but uh, it was a Yamaha. So uh, he gave it to me. And I started to learn how to play. And the first songs that I learned were worship songs. And that's all I played, actually. And I noticed that every time I did that, I would feel more connected to the Lord. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And so there were times where I would spend quite a lot of time in worship. um, And sometimes hours just playing the guitar. But there were times where I would neglect that as well. and, And stop playing. 
and I would feel almost disconnected from God at times. And so my relationship with God had its ups, it had its downs. Um, and the more, the longer I had that guitar, the, the more it deteriorated, it cracked more, and it just became almost to the point where it was unplayable. Well, just before, this is uh, a year, maybe a couple years after that, uh, after I became the pastor here at Trinity, one day I was at home and I got a phone call from a music store in town. I've shared this story here before. Really cool story. They called me and they're like, hey, are you James Park? I said, yes. They're like, oh, we have something here for you. And I'm like, this is a weird telemarketer. Like, I, how did he know my name? You know, like, what? They don't usually give stuff for free. What kind of telemarketer is this? So I'm like, what is going on? So he's like, you know, just come to the store. We have something here for you. I was like, Okay. So I go to uh, Folkway Music in Waterloo. I walk into the store. There's all these guitars around. And on the front counter is this guitar case. And I look at it, and it says Taylor on it. And I went, oh, Taylor? And if those of you who are guitar enthusiasts, you would know that is an amazing guitar. Okay, I open the guitar case. And to my surprise, it's a Taylor 314 CE acoustic electric guitar. I just was like, it's, I would never be able to afford something like that. And the, the, the person, the, the store manager actually um, passed me this note that was in the guitar case, okay? And it said this, it says this. Please accept this guitar as a gift from our Lord. Somebody bought that, left this note, and said, Please accept this guitar as a gift from our Lord. And I was blown away. That's an understatement. What? Wow. It was a confirmation for so many things. For so many things, it was a confirmation. But the most important thing was this. Spend time with God. He wants me to spend time with him, with the guitar. It's okay to do that. He loves it when I do that. And I thought, wow, what a way to remember to do that. This guitar is my personal Ebenezer, a reminder that God is good, that God is faithful, that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And that he actually wants me to spend time with him. I was so blown away. And so I did. Just this past week, I looked at my guitar and I had this realization looking at this. I'm like, what an amazing gift. And I took my guitar, I just started playing. Not because I had to lead worship on Wednesday night for prayer. Just to worship the Lord. And let me tell you something, church. It was glorious to be in His presence. I'm so thankful for the reminder that God gave me in the form of that guitar. To remember Him always. I'll never forget that. Church, we need reminders. We all do. 
we all need reminders. It wasn't just for the Israelites in the wilderness. We need reminders. We need an Ebenezer. We need that. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we do have one. We do have an Ebenezer. God gave us a major one. And here's a hint. It involves the cross and the empty tomb. I say both of them because both are needed. First of all, the cross. The cross represents what God has done for you and me. It represents that God sent his only begotten son, perfect in righteousness, completely, totally blameless, to die on the cross, to take the punishment for sin upon himself for you, for me. He did that. God sent Jesus to go all the way to the cross for you, for me. All the way. Philippians 2, 5 verse 8 says this. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus endured the cross. Cruel punishment upon him who is righteous for us. He did it for you. He did it for me. And on the cross, he said these words, It is finished. But it isn't finished there. Philippians 2 goes on. And in verse 9, it says this, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him. I love this. The name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's Victorious over sin. The tomb that was supposed to hold him could not hold our Savior. He rose victoriously from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating all the power of the enemy. And because of his victory over sin and death, we who are alive can be, be and receive forgiveness for our sins and live in everlasting joy in Christ Jesus. How awesome is that? Amen. That is the gospel, church. That's the gospel. Our Ebenezer is the gospel. The good news. 
that Jesus died, that he rose again victorious, and that we could receive forgiveness and everlasting joy in him. That's the gospel. That's our Ebenezer. And some of you might ask, well, why do we need a reminder of that? Because, church, we will never, ever outgrow our need for the gospel. Never. The gospel isn't just something you hear at a crusade once and that you respond to once. The gospel is a daily reality. We need it every single day as a reminder of what God has done. Here are a couple of practical examples of why the gospel is our Ebenezer. Number one, suppose someone finds out that one finds themselves in a situation. It's a life and death situation. Some of us here at Trinity have been in these situations before. Where you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you some news. And it isn't good news. You've had a heart attack. You have cancer. You have such and such. And when you receive that news, maybe some of you here who have been in situations like this, you could testify. The first response is fear. What? There's, there's fear. But it lasts only a moment. Why? Why does it only last a moment? Because we have something that the world doesn't have. Our Ebenezer. The gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-10 For God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And we're reminded, oh yeah, I have nothing to fear. Nothing. That's powerful. That's the gospel. And because we have the gospel, we have nothing to fear. Fear is not a thing for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's got this. And you know, in those situations, sure, healing is possible. We believe in healing here at Trinity. We pray for healing. Sometimes healing happens through prayer. Sometimes healing happens through medical attention. Let me tell you this. All the time, healing happens when we come face to face with Christ in eternity in His kingdom with the glorious new body living with Him forever and ever. Our stone of help, our stone of remembrance 
is the gospel. The glorious cross of Calvary and the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. The gospel. We can lift that up in the face of our trials, in the face of our hardships, in the face of fear. We can say, Jesus is alive and I am alive with him. That's the gospel. Because of this, we have no fear. Or perhaps you're here. You at one point in your life had Jesus as the Lord of your life. You gave your life to him. You gave your heart to him. You confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, believing in your heart that he rose again. He was your source of great joy but you fell. You fell away. Life and all the trappings of sin snagged your heart and you got lost again. I'm here to tell you something. The same gospel that saved you is the same gospel. The same gospel that you heard that brought you to faith in Jesus is the same gospel that will sustain you now. The same gospel, the same way you came to Christ then, is the same way He's calling you back now. Come home. Just come home, says the Lord. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That he came and died for your sin. Rose victorious over sin. That is your Ebenezer. Remember that. And come back home. That is why we do what we do on Resurrection Sunday. Why we do this as a church, why we come together on Good Friday, sing. Why we come together on Resurrection Sunday and sing. We're raising our Ebenezer, saying, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And because of that, all my hope is found in Him. Because of that, there is no more condemnation because I am in Him. And there is no need to fear because of Him who is our peace. Now I want to leave you with one thing this morning. I want to invite us to ponder before we go today. What has God done personally in your life recently? What can be your personal Ebenezer? Something that you could look back on and say, God did it for me. He's going to do it again. What is that? Often this is a testimony. A testimony of His goodness, His mercy, His power, His provision. What has God done for you that you can testify to others 
that God is my ever-present help in time of need. Take a moment to ponder that.